KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. So, what should we expect in terms of health care policy from the administration of incoming President Joe Biden? Obviously, COVID 19 response will be center stage, but there are a lot of other areas to consider. To talk about this, we reached out to Dr. Adam Palillo. He is an assistant professor of economics at LaSalle University. Give a listen. So when we talk about a Biden administration and what to expect when it comes to health policy, I mean, we have to start with obviously the pandemic from what's been proposed, uh, the people that have put put in place. What are you seeing on the COVID-19 front? What should we expect uh, out of the gate here? So I think effectively responding to the COVID-19 pandemic will be the top priority of the Biden administration. Um, so accelerating the distribution and administration of vaccinations, I think that's going to be one of the major areas of focus for the administration. And President-elect Biden uh, has already announced that he aims to achieve 100 million vaccinations first 100 days of his uh, administration. So, you know, if the distribution of vaccines goes as planned this spring, uh, we should have a pretty strong economic rec- recovery this summer and fall. And, um, you know, to facilitate that, I think we'll we'll see further increases in spending on uh, vaccinations and therapeutics, and also on testing and contact uh, tracing programs. Uh, President-elect Biden announced that he wants to allocate uh, $400 billion more for vaccines and testing, and also supporting school reopenings. Uh, so I think this will be the, ma- the major area of focus for the first part of 2021. How much of a challenge is what he's proposing given what we've been dealing with with COVID-19 has been uneven at best and uh, uneven. Let's let's just kind of put it at that. Uh, Is this really bold or is this what he's putting more in line, what you would kind of expect from the U.S. federal government? Uh, Exactly the latter. I think this is what we should have expected from the federal government. You know, right now we're averaging more than 200,000 cases per day, uh, more than 4,000 deaths per day. And the U.S. has a COVID-related death rate that is much higher uh, than in other developed uh, economies, uh, than in Canada or Germany, and certainly much higher than in Japan, uh, Australia, or China. So I think you know this initiative to have 100 million vaccinations in 100 days and to get schools ready to do contact tracing, uh, rapid testing, uh, and changes in, in air filtration, for instance, I think these are some initiatives that we should have seen taking place uh, a bit earlier, frankly. So past the pandemic, I would guess the next thing we would want to talk about in grand, in in kind of big picture would be the state of the Affordable Care Act. Obviously, Joe Biden, vice president of the administration that put this in place. Um, What do you see on that front? Is it going to be more of building on the foundation and fixing some of the problems that have become kind of very apparent over the last four years? Yeah, I think so. I think the administration is going to focus on making it easier to get comprehensive health coverage, uh, especially for those who are unemployed or, or work part time. And so the focus will be building on the Affordable Care Act uh, and perhaps reversing some of the executive or regulatory or administrative actions uh, undertaken by the previous administration. So right now we have 8% of the population or more than 26 million people who have no form of health insurance coverage whatsoever. So I think, you know, a major priority this year will also be expanding health coverage for those who are currently uninsured or underinsured. 
And perhaps the, you know, the easiest and most politically feasible way to do that would be to expand the tax credits for the purchase of health insurance through the, the individual marketplaces that were established by the ACA. That would increase the affordability of the plans that are offered in the marketplaces, and it would also encourage people to take up uh, coverage as well. And so we might see an expansion of premium assistance uh, or even payments to insurers who are offering plans in those marketplaces as a way to simulate the further development of those marketplaces. Another thing we might see from Congress and the administration uh, is a focus on encouraging further Medicaid expansion. Uh, so either increasing federal spending for state Medicaid programs, increasing the, the allocations to the states, or engaging in some regulatory changes that uh, make it easier to enroll in Medicaid coverage. Is the ACA here to stay? And what I mean by that is for years, for a lot of Republicans, their reason to be was to repeal and some say replace. There was you could argue the validity of the plans that were put forth, but after the last four years, and especially two years where Republicans had all the power and they still weren't able to do it, are we at a point now where the Affordable Care Act is part of American policy, uh, how far it goes, you know, how uh, robust it gets, that could be that, that that could be up for debate depending upon who's in power, but... Has this become part of American society for good, you think? I think so. So the Supreme Court this year will consider the case of California versus Texas, which is uh, regarding the legality of the ACA now that the individual mandate uh, has been eliminated, which was part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. And that may necessitate a legislative response by Congress, depending on how the court decides. But I think, you know, for the most part, most of the provisions of the ACA will remain in place. And Congress and the administration, I, I, I think in a bipartisan way, will seek to, to build on the ACA to expand coverage and then also start to address, you know, high and rising healthcare costs in the U.S. So past the pandemic, past the ACA, are there other fronts the Biden administration has expressed interest, signaled they are going to tackle, and if so, what would they be? President like Biden, whenever he was campaigning, was advocating for uh, Medicare to be able to negotiate prescription drug prices, and he was also advocating for a public option where those who are uninsured or underinsured or don't have employer-sponsored health insurance coverage would be able to buy health insurance coverage from Medicare or Medicaid. So we might see some movements toward a public option or allowing Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices this year. But I think those are going to be uh, more and more challenging initiatives, and, and there are going to be some, some big trade-offs to face there as well. We heard a lot of talk specifically in the Democratic primary on the concept of Medicare for all. Um, that is not something you, I, I think we expect, but is that is that something that's going to remain in the conversation specifically on democratic circles that might kind of move that Overton window to the left where what is considered kind of middle ground would be a little more uh, democratic than, than we expect? I think so. So, so according to some recent public opinion polls from the Kaiser Family Foundation, most survey respondents did support a national Medicare for all health plan. 
but there was even greater support for having a public option or allowing individuals to, to buy into Medicare or Medicaid. So I think that might be one area where both Congress and the administration might be focusing is seeking ways to allow individuals to buy into Medicare or Medicaid if they would like. And of course, there's a lot of uncertainty about what those plans would look like or whether they would be offered through the ACA marketplaces um, or, or whether you would have some sort of like Medicare Advantage program where you enroll or engage private health insurers as well. So there's still some uncertainty about what that public option would look like, but I think that's something that Congress and the administration will be focusing on this year as well. One thing that hasn't gone anywhere but has been overwhelmed by everything else we've been dealing with is the opioid crisis. Um, before the pandemic, you, you kind of felt like that was finally being addressed in a way that it needed to be addressed. Uh, what do you see from the incoming administration on that front? I think we'll see increased funding uh, to respond to the opioid epidemic as well. I think that's going to be either part of, uh, of a broader healthcare reform package or maybe even part of an additional relief bill this year. So the, the second part of the relief bill might be coming forth in either February or March of this year. Uh, and perhaps there might be increased uh, funding for state and local governments and, and nonprofit organizations to, to respond to the opioid epidemic. What does uh, the selection, his choice for Health and Human Services Secretary, tell you about priorities and, and such? So I, I think we're, we're going to see a pretty, you know, th those three major areas of, of effectively responding to the pandemic of building on the Affordable Care Act and seeking to address high and rising health care costs. I think those are going to be areas where uh, DHHS will be will be focusing on as well. And so, you know, that might be through some administrative or regulatory changes as opposed to uh, changes in, in budget allocations, which would be through Congress or changes in executive actions, which would be through the, the, the White House. So I think DHHS they might you know, change some of the rules and regulations for healthcare providers, for uh, health insurers, for pharmaceutical companies seeking to increase access to care while addressing high and rising healthcare costs as well. Are there any other aspects of healthcare policy that we haven't touched on that you think uh, will play a, a pretty big role in this administration? I think just kind of grappling with some of the, the big trade-offs in healthcare will be a big issue. So, you know, on the one hand, you need to find ways to increase the affordability for patients. So, you know, this year, for instance, uh, prescription drug prices were increased by uh, an average of 4.5%, uh, according to data from GoodRx. And in general, healthcare costs have been rising um, at more than 4% per year over the last few years. So I think, you know, addressing high prices in the U.S. healthcare system, where they're much higher than anywhere else in the world, uh, will be one, one area of focus. But also, on the other hand, they, they need to find ways to maintain incentives for research and development and innovation. And so, you know, as we've seen, you know, new technologies like uh, mRNA vaccinations have tremendous social value. And so on the one hand, you have to incentivize that continued research and development uh, in biotech, in medical devices, uh, in health insurance, but also find ways to reduce healthcare costs. And those trade-offs are really quite profound, uh, frankly. And I don't know if you can answer this, but to the point of healthcare costs and why they're so 
where along the the line are things so out of whack with the rest of the world that we get these high costs that other countries don't? Is it simply just a case of those governments being more involved in in the the payment of health care for, you know, however you want to look at it? Or where do we get off the track that things get so wildly out of whack with the rest of the world? I think it really deals with, with health care prices. So as you mentioned, in, in other countries, you have governments setting or negotiating reimbursement rates for hospitals, uh, for physicians, for the payments they pay uh, pharmaceutical companies. In the U.S., most prices are determined uh, in, the, in the marketplace, and there are relatively few regulations for the prices that can be charged, uh, aside from for, for health insurance, where you do have to have the, the premium increases signed off by the, the state uh, insurance agencies. But, but relative to other countries, you have you know, more and more market concentration in the U.S., so relatively few hospitals uh, in rural areas, for instance, or a lot of provider consolidation, and also relatively high prescription drug prices. And so that's, that's reflective, one, of, of the lack of a, a rule of government in, in setting reimbursement rates, aside from for, for uh, Medicare and Medicaid. And then two, you know, rising market concentration in the hospital sector or in physicians clinics or uh, also in the pharmaceutical industry. And so if you have fewer players in those sectors, they're able to charge higher prices because there are just simply fewer competitors there. And in the absence of any kind of government price regulations or controls, you know, those, those prices will, will reflect how much insurers and patients are, are willing to pay rather than you know, some, some measures of, of just or, or equitable prices. One thing I've seen emerged, and a lot of people have a lot of criticism of the outgoing administration, but one thing I thought was a good thing is it seemed like there was a push, and I maybe you can tell me better where it came from, that for more of a, a menu of prices of what you're getting, hospitals to, you know, a getting your tonsils out would cost X and and, and such like that. Why don't we have more of that in the when it comes to healthcare, and wouldn't that help if everybody kind of knew what they were dealing with? So I think it would help on the margin. You know, last late last year we, we saw some initiatives for for greater price transparency for for uh, hospital prices. So we have a lot of variation in hospital prices or uh, physician services, especially for special services. And, and so there's there's really marked variation around the U.S. in the prices that people pay for their health care and the prices that are negotiated uh, with insurance companies and, and other payers. So I think, you know, streamlining the, the prices that are being paid would, would help uh, on the margin. Uh, that being said, it's it's not uh, a cure-all uh, for, for high and rising costs, but I think it would provide people with a, a better guide for what the the true price should be or or what the price of healthcare ought to be. And my final question, the pandemic has overwhelmed health systems. It's caused a lot of damage. How much should we be worried, aside from the human suffering, aside from the emotional suffering of healthcare workers who have had to deal with so much, you kind of hear rumblings about healthcare systems struggling financially, which at first you would think that doesn't make any sense because everybody's in the hospital. But 
when they're dealing with COVID and not able to do elective surgeries, are we kind of on the precipice where we could have a lot of problems with access because hospitals are shutting down or reducing services, especially in your rural areas and stuff like that? How much of a concern should that be kind of big picture, even looking past COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And I think it goes back to, you know, the, these difficult trade-offs that they're going to be facing between, you know, increasing affordability on the one hand and making sure that there are adequate resources available for providers, for uh, pharmaceutical companies and for, uh, hospitals on, on the other hand. And so, you know, you think about a lot of, you know, dentists and physicians clinics and hospitals, they've taken huge revenue hits this, this year or last year uh, due to COVID. And so a lot of hospitals and, um, and specialist clinics and physicians are facing a lot of financial pressures. I, I think, you know, overall, I think this calls for increased government spending for the healthcare sector, whether that's seeking to support providers on the one hand, but also increasing health insurance coverage on the other. And and so this kind of all boils down to, you know, two major areas, which is, you know, either addressing healthcare prices or providing some better insurance coverage given those healthcare prices. And so I, I think we want to make sure that there are adequate resources in the healthcare system while at the same time providing better health insurance coverage so that way people can afford, you know, insulin or be able to go to the emergency department or uh, be able to go to, you know, a a yearly doctor's checkup. So I think all of that does require increased government spending. And I think that's what we'll see over the next few years coming out of Congress and, and the administration. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.